If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. The biggest advice I give to anybody who's trying to chase after a dream is that you actually have to chase it down. Like you, you're not going to be able to just let it come to you, right? You got to go get it. Uh, and that means jumping over potholes. That means jumping over cliffs. That means all, all of those things, right? In order to really take the risk to go after what you're trying to get. So that's what I did, man. I took a left turn that day, literally. That day oh, wow. I took a I was still at the internship for a couple more months, but that day mentally, I took the leap. Took a left turn, called Stephen Capel, uh, and said, like, what, you know, let's really make this movie, 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 make this movie. Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That's when Art would jump in. Art's not here. Art is out there making those dollars right now. He's on the road doing some speaking engagements. So you got me today. But as always, you know, this this one's not as always. This is a continuation. We dropped two episodes earlier with Stephen Love. And you all responded amazingly well. I'm still getting feedback on the thoughts on They Clone Tyrone, which is very fucking warranted, just to be honest. But he's back. And this time, we're going to go deeper into the how-to, how to build something, how to do what he's done. This is going to be a master class on getting off your ass and building something that gets you closer to your dreams. We're not going through our normal wild black shit. We're not going through our normal dope quote. We've done all that before. We're going to jump into the meat of this thing. Steven, brother, welcome back to Wild Black. Thank you for having me back, man. It's good to be back. Yeah. So for, for people who, who might have missed episodes one and two, by the way, go back and check them out. Give them the real quick hit. Who are you, brother? Why are you here? Why, why does this name, Steven Dr. Love, matter? Hey, I, I'm, I'm here because you asked me to be here. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, uh, I'm Steven Love. <laughs> I'm Steven Love, film producer, TV producer, uh, entrepreneur, marketing, mind, all the, all the above. Uh, and and really, you know, I think ultimately I'm here because I'm a storyteller. Yeah, you know, across yeah. every medium. Uh, yeah. and but my job is as a producer with the being the business of the business of the entertainment business. Yeah, my job is to figure out how to make storytelling turn into commerce or what yeah. that intersection is. So yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of me in a nutshell. I, I made I produced a movie called They Clone Tyrone. You just talked about. Yep, dope, um, dope movie. Uh, yeah, my very first movie was a movie called The Land. Yep. Uh, back in the day. Uh, the Stephen Cable Jr. director, he went on to go do Transformers this year, actually. Yep. And so, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Awesome. Hey, I, I know that you got a bunch of stuff going on, so I'm grateful that you came back to spend a little time with us. Yeah. And we're going to jump right in. Let's do it. You ready? Let's do it. All right, so where I want to start is this. You've been building for a while now, and, and when we build things, at least when people watch us build from the outside, they misinterpret what it takes. Mm-hmm. They look up and they see massive success, and they think that's where it started. All right, there's somebody right now who saw They Clone Tyrone, and they saw your name associated with it. They saw this interview or one of the other interviews mm-hmm. that you've done, and they thought that you woke up on Monday, had a <laughs> deal on Tuesday, and dropped the movie on Friday. Now, they probably don't think it's that quick, but they might not recognize the grind and the hustle you've been putting in for years. Right, right. right? They might not recognize the dedication in school and <clears throat> mentorship and relationship building. Mm-hmm. They may not get all that. Mm-hmm. So the first question I want to ask you before we dive in is, when you take a step back and you think about our community as a whole, and you think about how we interact with the idea of dreaming and building, what is the one thing, the primary thing, you think we either get wrong or underestimate when we start that journey? Mm. I think the best thing anybody can do for themselves right. when they're dreaming is to be okay with taking risks, to actually make it come true. Because yeah. it's risky, right? If, it, if, if your dream feels attainable based on where you are in that moment, it ain't yeah. big enough. That's a, that's a whole word there. It's not big enough. So if you were sitting back 
<clears throat> on any given day, mm -hmm. and you dream a dream, and you feel like you're having a small gap, an easy leap, a quick build to that dream, then you're dreaming the wrong dream. Facts. On, on my phone right now, my lock screen is a quote. Right. And it's only two words. Nah, comma, bigger. <laughs> Signed. That's dope, too. <laughs> Signed, God. That's real. Right? So every day when I look at my phone, it says, nah, bigger. Nah, bigger. I'm just, it's just a reminder yeah. that no matter how big I'm dreaming, it's not big enough. Right? That's now, powerful, bro. It's, it's powerful because it challenges you. Yeah. Every single day, multiple times a day. Because how many times do we look at our phone, right? So... All day. That's one of the first things that I that I did was create. It, it, to me, it's like a it's like a walking uh, a, it's like a walking vision board, right? To me, it's like having a walking vision board in your pocket, right? Because every day when you look at that phone, you should be looking at something that's going to inspire you. And sometimes, I mean, you might be picking that phone up to look at a distraction, yeah. like Instagram or whatever else, right, or some social media platform. But if you see that first before you unlock your phone, will you still go do that, or will you reroute your energy and your time and and sort of focus to do something that's more uh, positive and more sort of, you know, leaning towards your dream. So, um, you know, to your question about what the process actually was, uh, I took a road less traveled by to do what I'm doing, right? right? So uh, I always knew I wanted to make movies from standing across from a cotton field in Bennettsville, South Carolina. I knew I wanted to produce movies, which made no sense right. growing up in, in that space thinking I was going to go to Hollywood, right? Right. But again, that dream was so unattainable that I knew I had to chase it, right? And the right. more you can cultivate that type of ambition and curiosity, the better off you'll be. So from that point, when I got to, went to Morehouse, studied business, right? Only because they didn't have a film program. They asked me, why don't you go to some other school that has a film program? I said, no, I want to study business. I want to go to Morehouse. And y'all offered me a full rise and I need that money. So... Let me just help you start a film that program. <laughs> right? Amen. So, so, but, but, but part <laughs> of it is finding the problems that you can be a solution to. Yeah. So I didn't just say, don't worry, I'll, I won't major in film, I'll major in business. I said, don't worry, I won't major in film, I'll major in business, and I'll help you build a film program. I'm 19 years old. What do I know about that? Right? Wow. But we did that eventually. Program still exists there. Cinema Technology Emerging Media Studies Program. It just celebrated 10 years, right? right? I leave Morehouse. I go to USC to the top film school in the world. And I, I go to USC to the Peter Starr Producers Program, which is half business, half creative. Right. That program, to give you a sense of, again, how impossible, quote-unquote, it is, right? That program accepts 25 students a year. Of those 25... Roughly, when I came in, roughly 10 are usually international students. Right. Of those remaining 15 domestic students, maybe two were African-American before I started. Right? So I was really fighting for two spots in my mind. Wow, right? two out of 25. Two out of 25. And uh -huh. once a year. So get into that program. And when I got to Hollywood, my intention was to go be a development executive, studio executive. Right. Because I saw the need for the identity of the gatekeepers to look a, a little more like the world so that stories about people like us could get on the screen and have integrity and connection to the culture. But then when I got to... But also I was doing that because I knew that it was a stepping stone to become a producer. I saw so many people climb the ranks of the studio system, get fired, get a producing deal, and then now right. they're a producer, right? right, right. So, like, great, I got to go get fired. That was my whole, like, MO. <laughs> when, I was, when I got to L.A., and kind of foolish to think that, but when I got there, I was like, okay, I'm going to intern everywhere possible, right? Mm -hmm. And and then I'm a, and then and the pattern is to go from being an intern to being an assistant and answering phones and, and organizing schedules and reading material, et cetera, trying to make sure your, your bosses are ready for their meetings with notes or whatnot. After you become an assistant, then hopefully you graduate to become, you know, a junior, junior level executive, right? Then a middle level executive, then a senior level executive, then C-suite, et cetera, right? President of production, whatever. Right. And so that's a long climb. It might take you 15 years or whatever, right? To, to take that climb. And then you branch out and become a big producer, right? Right. And that path works. And so I was completely humble. I had completely humbled myself, ready to go on that path and get to the internship realm of that sort of trajectory. And I'm like, okay, I just realized that these interns have way more access, actually, to information 
than the assistants do. Because the interns can kind of use the guise of being a young college student and say, hey, let me, you know, can I shadow you in this meeting? Can I go read this or read that? Can I see that contract or whatnot? At, because I want to learn. And the high-level executives was like, yeah, please. Everybody wants to get back, right? right. Meanwhile, the assistants kind of chained to the desk. And so... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It was that. And then it was also the fact that my personality, I, you know, of my 33 years on this earth, 30 of them have been some version of entrepreneurship. Right. Right, from selling peaches on my granddad's farm and in the farmer's market to starting my own business at 12 and videography and then now, you know, doing what I'm doing. So my brain is wired to build business. Right. Right? So it's tough for that brain to sit at a desk for eight hours and answer phones, et cetera. Especially when I see this other side door open over here, right? So, right. so I end up doing the intern thing. Over the course of six years, which sounds crazy, but over the course of six years, I interned at a bunch of different places. Every studio you can think of. I got, to, you know, when I was in Atlanta before I went to LA, I was at Will Packer's Rainforest Films, he and Rob, uh, Rob Hardy's uh, company. Yeah. Uh, Will's a mentor. And he helped me get a job at Sony Screen Gems when they were making all the movies like Think Like a Man and Takers and all those great films. Takers is one of my favorites. Man, solid, right? So yeah. working at Sony Screen Gems, I go from there to work for Deborah Martin Chase, who's the iconic black woman producer, uh, one of the longest standing producers in the game, right? And Mark Gordon, also a giant producer in the game. Did Saving Private Ryan, et cetera. Deborah did uh, the Black Cinderella movie. She did Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. She's doing the new Equalizer TV show, CBS with Queen Latifah. Yeah. Like giants, right? So I'm learning from these producers, but as an intern, way more access again. So I go from there to ABC. Now I'm working at ABC for a few months, right? In the comedy right. division. Then I go to Universal TV. Uh, you hustle. Right? Universal TV. I'm learning from them. Now I'm learning right. cable TV. Right. And I go from there and I go work for HBO Films. And that was the last internship I had. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go be an assistant here. They paid the best out of any other place in town at the time. And it was there that I realized because there was an OG there who ran. If Lynn Amato, if you're listening, shout out to you because he's the reason. <laughs> OG, OG Cat from Chicago right. ran, the, ran the division, the film division. And he said to me, like, love, I like you, man, but you're terrible at this assistant stuff. Like, <laughs> you, you don't know how to roll the calls properly and whatnot. Not but that first firing was on the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just an intern. I hadn't even got the real job yet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm already $10 an hour. Like, what you mean? And he was like, man, like, what do you really want to do? I told him what you're I wanted to do. fire on your day off. Yeah, right. Fire, about to get fired on my day off. And he was like, he was like, man, what do you really want to do? And I told him, you know, producing. He's like, look, there's another path. It's, it's not as clear of a path, but I mm-hmm. think you have the hustle to figure it out, which is uh, producing small movies, independent movies, and climbing your way up to big studio movies that you want to do eventually. Right. And all I needed to hear was that there was a, is that there was another path that was risky and uncertain and not safe yeah. and very me. <laughs> right? Quick question. Did you dislike what you were doing or were you just attracted to the risk-reward of going the other route? I didn't dis- or something else. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike <clears throat> what I was doing because it was still, even with the mundane tasks that an intern might or a system might have to do, Yeah, it was. I was also still doing a lot of the creative stuff I love doing, like building, uh, you know, list of the hot new directors that they should be paying attention to or building, I you know, note, a, a document of notes, right, about some IP they wanted to turn into a film or what have you. So I was still doing the creative work that I loved. Right. But it just... The idea of having to be still in a space that did not necessarily welcome, you know, a 24-year-old building a business. Yeah. But that's not what it's about. You're there to help build their business, right? And so I enjoyed doing it, but I knew that wasn't that wasn't the fire in me. That wasn't right. that wasn't that wasn't my calling, right? right? My calling has always been leadership in whatever capacity. It's always been to build things, right? It's always the farmer in me wants to find a seed and water that seed, whether yeah. that seed is a story or whether that seed is, you know, a business idea, right? Or a new way of doing a deal. Like, that seed is something I want to water and grow into uh, into something special, right? So, 
So for me, it was really like, that's the thing I want to do. And when I heard him articulate, sometimes you just need somebody external to mention that there is another way to do it. Right. And again, it felt really unsafe and uncertain, but that felt like me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I just jumped head first. And again, I think the, the, the biggest advice I give to anybody who's trying to chase after a dream is that you actually have to chase it down. Like you, you're not going to be able to just let it come to you, right? You got to go get it. Uh, and that means jumping over potholes. That means jumping over cliffs. That means all, all of those things, right? In order to really take the risk to go after what you're trying to get. So that's what I did, man. I took a left turn that day, literally. That day, oh, wow. I took a, I was still at the internship for a couple more months. But that day, mentally, I took the leap. Took a left turn, called Stephen Capel uh, and said, like, what, you know, let's really make this movie. And we jumped out there and we you know, made the, made the land a few months later. Damn, I love that. Bro, you, man, you said so much in that. I, I love the idea of chasing the dream is actually a chase. Yeah. Because I, I think it's where, I think people play, you know, lip service to that kind of thing. They, yeah. they talk about chasing the dream, but the reality is they just dream in the dream. Yeah. But I want to go, I got a bunch of questions. Yeah. I want to go back to nah, comma, bigger. Mm -hmm. And this is, from my experience, what I've seen is that Today, I do so much. Today and, and into yesterday, I do so much better building bigger dreams mm -hmm. because at some point, I built my confidence to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. right, so for, for someone who is earlier in that process, how do you help them to dream bigger but not dream so big that they end up getting crushed and losing that mm -hmm. confidence? How, how do you balance that, right? Because I, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm with you. It is important. Like, my experience says that the way God works in my life, he is going to outpace my ability to do anything, my ability to dream, my ability to build, my ability to network. He is ahead of me. He is funneling stuff back to me, and I receive that. It took me a while to realize that. What helped me was if you think about a diet or if you think about paying off bills, they tell you, Find the small wins so you build the confidence to go after the bigger wins, right? If you got 10 credit cards, pay the one with the smallest balance just so you know what it feels like to win. How do you apply that to the idea of dreaming? How do you right-size the dream so it stretches you but helps you to build that confidence at the same time? Great question. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think it's tough. Because I, I, don't, I don't know what it's like to not have the confidence to dream. Mm. So that's not how I was raised, right? That's, that's deep there too, yeah. Right? But yeah. I do know what it's like to... Personally, I don't know what it's like, but I do, right. I do see what it's like with people around me sometimes. Right. When the vision is so vast, whether it's theirs or someone else's for them, et cetera, that it does feel like it crushes you. Right? So I, I empathize with that for sure. But I think you just have to fight that. Right? I think it is person to person. Right? If you, if you feel like you need to take baby steps to go take the giant step, do that. If you feel like the only way you're ever going to convince yourself to do this is to just go straight to the giant step, do that. Right? It really is person to person based on your own threshold for pain, really, right? But for me, I didn't, I didn't think twice about taking that, that leap to just go start making movies, even as right. crazy as that sounded. Right. I didn't mind it because my threshold was I'm more afraid of what will happen if I don't do this than I am of what might happen along the way of trying to do this. So, I love that, bro. You know, so, but that, that again, just came from, that was just, that's just God and my parents, really. But I, I think, but I think it depends person to person. You know, you have to kind of answer that for yourself. The best thing a person can do before even getting on this, getting on this journey in entertainment or this journey in building business at all, uh, the best thing you can do is soul search. Because if you pursue the, if you pursue the paper, it's going to be a dog chasing his tail. If you pursue the purpose, you'll get the paper. Right, so it's really just like what would you first have to to know what the purpose is? What is your purpose? What is the purpose of what you're trying to build? Like you got to be so intentional about that because it's gonna be hard. It's all hard. It's gonna be difficult. But you, if you know exactly what your calling is, 
exactly what it is, not how it looks and not how you get there, but exactly what the calling is, then everything else will fall in line. Everything else will fall in line. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, how, how do you, yeah. how do you find purpose? Yeah, I, a lot of quiet time. I think, I think you find your purpose by looking at the <clears throat> things that you do well, looking at the things that you love to do, and looking at the things that other people ask you to do all the time, which, are, which could be three different things. If you find something that's the intersection of all three, that's probably your purpose. Out there. The intersection of all three is, is where your purpose lives. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I'm trying to think the best way to kind of phrase this question. I, I want to stay in the same place of someone who's, who's new to this. Mm-hmm. They found their passion, right? Mm-hmm. And you go back to the idea of chasing the dream. is It's physical. You got you to gotta chase it. You got to go out there and grind and do what you got to do to get to it. For that person who's just starting, they're, they're blessed enough that they, they dreamed a dream that's big enough. They found their passion. Those two are related. Mm-hmm. But now they're sitting in a place where they're trying to fight their status quo, their current situation, mm-hmm. to build their way to this new one. What are the steps, whether mental or logistical mm-hmm. or even spiritual, what are the steps that you advise someone who is on the cusp of that change, right? Mm-hmm. They may not know it, mm-hmm. but for instance, God has them positioned like it's, it's, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. How do they prepare? How do they get ready? Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, I think sometimes we believe that our status quo is in conflict with where we're trying to go. Right. That's not always the case. Right. I give you a really specific example, right? Uh, or a general example. If someone knows that they're that they are supposed to be an entrepreneur and they're supposed to they have a dream to own a, their own business and do a specific thing in that space, but they have a nine to five. There's a lot of conversation around, oh, leave your job, leave your day job, and go go just jump and do the thing, right? I'm not advising that. People got bills, people got families, Amen. all those things, right? When I made that kind of decision, my nine to five was a $10 internship anyway, right? So yeah, I don't have right. the experience of leaving a full-on career to go chase a dream, right? Because right? it was still within the same space. Right. But if there's a way, if you are in a position where you're already in a nine to five, my first suggestion is not necessarily quit that job. My first suggestion is to see whether that job can actually be maybe your first investment partner. Philosophically, oh, yeah. that's, right? That's, that's interesting. Right? Look at it. Philosophically, yeah. right? I just, I just, I literally just had a conversation with my cousin who, uh, shout out to Kamani, love quick, but she's like, what 20, up, Kamani? Yeah, she's like 22, 23, right? Right, right, right. Fre- straight out of uh, undergrad, A and T, you know, <clears throat> and she's working at a big, at a big tech company right now here in Atlanta, but she's also literally has like seven businesses, Damn. right? That she she started when she was in high school. She's chasing the dream. She's chasing the dream, yeah. right? She's an entrepreneur. That's just the kind of thing in our family. But we were just talking about this, how she's not leaving that job. That's a good paying job, great benefits, et cetera. Right. As long as she can balance still managing these other businesses while doing that, let that be your first investment partner. Not only financially, because they're covering your, you know, covering your overhead for you to chase the dream. Yeah. They are, whether they know it or not, they're your investment partner because they also are connecting you to resources, right? They're connecting you to more people, to future clients, or yep. they can become a client, like all those things, yep. right? So I would say look at that in that way. Like, life is not mutually exclusive. 
Yeah. Right? It's sometimes people try to make it that you got to choose this over this. And there will be times like that where you have to nail down a decision. Right. But for the most part, I try to walk into situations and when we kind of get into the business model of what we're doing over here, like it's, I'll explain, you'll see, like it's really about building a flywheel. It, yeah. you, should, you should think about your life as a thing that feeds itself. Right? And so everything you're involved in, whether it is a financially viable situation or not, it might just be a social situation, et cetera. Try to think about how your life, every aspect of your life can feed itself. Let's go there now. Let's, yeah. let's talk about sure. what you're doing and what that business model looks like because we've covered the dreaming part. Let's talk about the doing part. Yeah. What, what are you doing? What do you have going on? A whole lot. <laughs> doing a whole lot, got a whole lot going on. Um, so people know me for making movies, right? right? I, that's what I love to do. That's what I started doing in my right. career, et cetera. Right. I will always make movies because that is my passion. Right. It is also my purpose, right? right. Um, as I, I think I said before, but as my dad would say, like he preaches from the pulpit, I preach from the movie screen, right? Man. The whole idea is that I can create these stories that are really entertaining. You want to eat some popcorn, but it's sugar with the medicine, yeah. right? That's the ethos. However, I realized, you know, a couple years back that that can't be the only thing I do because God has given me more gifts than just to do that, right? right? So I started thinking again, that's the other thing is like, in, in, you know, if you're spiritual, you think about, you should think about what the gifts are that you have that could also turn into, into profit, right? Right. Um, and, and not in an exploitative type of way, but in a way right. that actually gives you joy, it actually, you know, creates an impact, right. et cetera. Right. So for me, that looks like this. Made with Love Media is an umbrella, yep. right? Film and TV is at the center of that. It's the spine of that umbrella, yep. right? But the things that we're protecting in that umbrella are people, creatives, right? So what that looks like, how we do that is through uh, Invisible Collective, which is an advertising arm of the company, yep. right? Um, and I have that with a couple of partners, Justin Polk and Mel Jones, or amazing directors in and of themselves. But they also are we're running this business together. And my job there is really to just find amazing filmmakers that are on the climb, et cetera, whether they're already doing big films or not, or already doing big commercials or not. Um, that, and, they, and the only criteria besides being dope is right. that they have to be uh, people of color, women, LGBT+, plus, yeah. military vets, or uh, physically differently abled, right. right? And all the people who have kind of been seen as un invisible in this space, right? And so we right. want to bring them to the forefront. And so that company does that, but it's also a flywheel, right? Because it find, it helps us find new filmmakers to eventually bring them into movies and TV. Yeah. Then uh, Carl Jones, who did Black Dynamite and Boondocks yeah. and the new Young Love series, um, yeah. all these things, right? Anything that was culturally relevant in animation over the last 15 years, he probably had his hand in it in some way, yeah. right? As an EP and a creator. So Carl has his own animation studio called Martian Blueberry. Um, and I looked him up. My son is majoring in animation. I'm looking up right now. Amazing. Keep on going, bro. Oh, I got you. I got you. Let's tap it. Let's plug him in. All right, I'm with it. Yeah. So, so Carl Marshall Blueberry. I'm a partner in that now, right? Um, oh, they, you you are again, busy as hell for real. Yeah. So it's again, it's again to but it's to, to protect the creators, right? Like my 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 business brain is what I'm trying to lend to my partners, right? Um, I call it my partners in crime, kind of a play on partners in crime, right? <laughs> so, I like that. You know, partners in crime, <laughs> and then the other person in that in that in that group who actually was around way before any of this was created uh, was Tab is Tabitha Brown, right? Right. right. So Tab, uh, it's a long story that I won't put I won't I won't bore our listeners with, but I used to manage Tab back in the day, right? right? When she right right before she like right when she first started to right. have viral, a couple of viral videos, uh, she was just doing Facebook Live cooking videos and whatnot. And uh, and I, I just DM'd her like, yo, I think there's a TV show here. Like, I ain't never produced no TV show, but <laughs> I think there's a TV show here. This was like 2017 when I reached out to her about this, right? And I right. knew her through just like, you know, the film world or whatnot. She's, she's been yeah. an actor for over 20 years. Yeah. And so, reached out to her. Fast forward, she gets her first, you know, uh, offer from Whole Foods to do a, a deal. And because I was in commercials, I was seeing what influencers would get paid sometimes. So I kind of knew a little bit about what she should ask for, what she, right, what she should tell right. them she won't do or whatever. So I just kind of, hey, try this, ask for this, tell them this, whatever. She was like, hey, that works. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't think nothing of it, right? Like, okay, cool, great, you know? Um, but she's thinking now. But she, yeah, but she was like, but, but a couple months later, I heard her introduce me to somebody as her manager. <laughs> 
And I'm like, you got voluntold, I'm bro. Like, I got voluntold. Oh, Tab good for being voluntold. I love you, Tab. But she good for being voluntold. Somebody be voluntold, right? So I was like, so like, uh, I'm your what? She's like, yeah, you my manager. Like, I fired my other manager, and you should just get a ten percent. You wanted or not? I was like, all right. <laughs> Cut two though, right? Sometimes and here's here's a nugget for people. I need better friends. Bro. Listen, man, here's a nugget for people, right? All right. Sometimes we forget who we are, but people around us they will they still see it. Hey, man, that's real. I wish I had an applause track for that one. They still see it. That is real. They still see that it. That is real. And and Tab has been that person for me. You know, she 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 also, you know, at one point during that time, you know, it was finances were getting tough, you know, right, and I. Right. My wife and I were newly married, and I'm like, man, I got to figure this thing out. Right. And uh, and I was calling some people who I consider mentors to say, hey, you know, uh, I, I want to look for a job now, which I just told you that's not that wasn't my spirit. Right. right? right. But I was going against that, thinking like I got to get a job. Right. Right. And so they're like, okay, yeah, we'll put you up for it. I happened to mention that at the tab, and she said, you ain't nobody's. Ju- you want to be a junior executive? You say. She said, you ain't nobody's junior. Nothing. I was like, huh. I said, you ain't nobody's junior, nothing. So just stay focused. And I was like, yes, ma'am. I straightened up. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yes, ma'am. So we so and so cut two, right? We started working together officially, I would say, in like February, March of 2018. Right. Year, year, year and a half, two years later, uh, over the course of that is how long we were working together. And over the time, over that time, I closed 56 deals for her. Right, different brands and whatnot did really well. I mean, can I just interrupt and say, brother, yeah. you are a beast in there, man. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I appreciate it, man. Like, like just, just, I, I know you're making a point. I just wanted to stop. There's something important about making sure. I had a conversation today. Something important about telling people the positive things that you think about mm. them because people only hear the negative. That's real. Hey, bro. That's real. For real. Real talk. It, it, it is, it is an honor to hear someone living in their dreams and building and impacting people, even when they don't know it. I'm going to shut up again. I just had hey, to say Hey, man, that, I appreciate that, brother. I felt that in my soul, man. I appreciate that, brother. It's, it's real, man. It's like we don't, again, it goes back to, to what I was just saying. Like sometimes we don't, sometimes we forget who we just naturally are. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean that you've lost sight of your dream or you lost sight of your purpose. You might be very confident, all those things. I feel like I was all of those things at the time. Yeah. But in trying to pursue the dream, it takes the dream. Yeah. Sometimes you forget who you truly are, and so you take a little bit of a detour that you weren't supposed to take. And it takes somebody external that God places to say, that's not who you are. That's, that's yeah. not who you've ever been. You don't have to tell me who you are because I see it, yeah. right? So that was Tab. And in Cut 2, we do 56 deals together, right? Yeah. So fast forward to now, right, in that umbrella. The last piece of the umbrella is really what I'm calling sort of centrifugal model, and we're 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 working with Tabitha now as a partnership for her to be able to blow out, you know, uh, uh, movies and TV because she's been an actor for so long before right. anybody knew her as an influencer or as a... Because she's not an influencer in my eyes. She is... She's an actress that decided to do online content, yeah, right? Um, and she is a... She is a, uh, a mover and shaker in business as well. I mean, consumer products, et cetera. So we partner with her, Made With Love Media and, and her company, Do You Believe, partner to help, you know, do movies and TV for her. And I'm also back in the fold now, you know, doing some deals for her and investments, et cetera. And so, you know, the idea is that if Tab calls and says, hey, I got a movie idea, I got the infrastructure to do that. Right. If she calls and says, hey, this product needs campaign or whatnot, I got the infrastructure to do that. If she yeah. calls and says, yeah. I got a TV, an animated cartoon I want to do, yeah. we got the infrastructure to do that, right? Yeah. So that's the idea, and that this whole umbrella can service artists. Because my, uh, my passion for storytelling really sort of comes out through my passion for people, right? right? And so being able to support artists and creatives and storytellers in a way that allows them to also go make some money. And so especially in this moment where we're in these strikes, et cetera, yeah. a lot of creators are starting to think about, well, how did we get here? Because it's not, it's not a us versus them kind of, it's not just a, it's not a big bad studios thing. It's, a, it's an right. overall model and system, but how can I actually live in this moment and so I think a lot of that comes from ownership of your ideas, right? And being able to actually execute those ideas. You don't get, ownership sounds cool, 
until you realize all the responsibility comes with ownership. Right. right. You can't just own things mm-hmm. without having the ability to actually deliver it at the highest level, right? Which means you got to have infrastructure, which means you need the right people working for you, which means you got to have capital, all those things. So right. uh, my goal is to, is, to, is to build that. Damn, I love that, yeah. brother. Yeah. So here's where I want to go from that, right? We've, we've talked about the dream. You've talked about the business model, mm-hmm. the multiple verticals, which, by the way, I love. And I do want to get into mm-hmm. how you know when it's time to move from where you are to where you want to be. Like, how, how do you balance and juggle that? But before I get there, one of the most important questions, and you mentioned it, is funding, right? I think there's, there's the legal aspect, the organization aspect, and, and the funding aspect. And all three are critically important. But all three require the dollars to do anything, right? Correct. So when, when you're building this and before the big deals, how are you funding it? And, and I don't necessarily mean you specifically, but mm-hmm. when you're speaking with young entrepreneurs or young creators, what is your advice on them on how to get their bread right to do anything with it? Yeah. I look for, let me, let me say this first. Yeah. The cheapest thing in the world to sell is ideas. There's no overhead right. to think. Yeah, you know, you're not lying about that. So the business that I'm in is all about selling ideas. Right. Whether it's a movie whether it's a brand partnership I want to pitch for Tabitha or whether it's uh, an animated show that I'm pitching for Martian Blueberry or whether it's, you know, the the campaign activation that the Invisible Collective wants to do. Yeah. Those are all ideas, right? Now, it costs money to have a staff and whatnot, but right. at the very, very beginning, when it's just you and whoever your partners are, everybody has the understanding that we're not going to make any money right now. We're just building right now. Yeah. And then you build the you build infrastructure, you build the the attraction from outside entities that will bring you money, and then don't get too comfortable with those checks. Take that; it's gonna be hard, right? But take <laughs> that money and put it right back <laughs> right. in the company, right? And that's how you do it. And that's how that's how I fund it. That's how I'm funding it right now. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I'm at the stage now where I'm built doing a raise, et cetera, and all that. Work with bankers and whatnot, but right. but for the you know my company's been. Uh, in play with Invisible and Made with Love have been around now for five, six years, you know, and so, and it was just all self-funded except for some deals we got in, you know, in incoming deal flow, et cetera, but it was all about taking that money and reinvesting it every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. You, um, you've talked about the deals, right? You've mm-hmm. talked about what some of them are, mm-hmm. the deal with Miss Tabitha Brown. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you get a deal? Like, where, where does yeah. that come from, right? Because you're, you're yeah. not just sitting at the house, right? Yeah. You're not sitting at the house, you know, Eating fruit and ice cream. You 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 are out there dreaming, actively dreaming, actively yeah. building, but deals are not knocking on your door. Well, maybe they are. Some deals sometimes do knock. Deals on the sometimes door. knock on your door, but <laughs> right. is it the one you want? Right, <laughs> right, right. right. How, how are you being intentional and in going after the deals that you want? How, how does that happen? And then once you get there, how does the deal come together? Great question. I I think in chasing deals. Well, first of all, I don't think you want to go. You don't want to necessarily be chasing a deal. Right. Because again, when you chase the paper, you don't, you yeah. forget the purpose. That's a hell of a point. So keep, keep me focused. Keep me focused over here. Right, right. So, but I do definitely have in my mind goals around what these right. deals should look like, right? Um, something that I think is a huge mistake that we're often taught, by we, I mean people in general are often taught, is to hold your good ideas to your vest because you don't want somebody to steal it. Right? I got news for you. People going to steal it anyway. So <laughs> Whether you say it or not. Whether you say it or not. So you might as well, I actually think it's smarter to just say it out loud all the time, everywhere. Because eventually, you're going to just attract the right people that want to, you know, that want to give you the right deal. Or you're going to attract the right people who want to help you find the right deal, et cetera. Yeah. And it's really hard to steal mm-hmm. somebody's idea. If you've been all over the place talking about it and everybody in town knows that it was your idea, yeah. it's going to be hard for somebody to steal it, right? Yeah. So can, just can go I out just there and own it. Can I add one thing to that, too? Yeah. People, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, family. Yeah. But if you have one good idea, you will have another. Mm-hmm. And to Stephen's point, somebody's going to take it at some point. And whether it feels like they took it or they had the same idea, because a great idea also probably doesn't only live in your head. Maybe your version of it does. But there's going to be another, at least in my experience, because I used to be that person, like, I can't say anything because they're going to take what I got. And then when I finally realized that God had me loaded with good ideas, 
And some of them worked. Some of them didn't. Okay, I'm gonna shut up again. I'm sorry. No, nah, you're right. That's I mean, drop the mic. That's the, that's the man, that's real talk. That's the bro. quote, man. That's mm. it. That's it. So I mean, that, that that's the only advice really is just to to go get the deal. Now once now the other question is when you get there. Yeah, right? exactly. Now that now you've attracted the right people that either are bringing you the deal, or you've attracted the right people that are gonna connect you to somebody who has a deal, or you've talked your way into a space where you can now present the opportunity that you want to deal for, right? Yeah. Once you're there, then it's about not getting too excited that you're there. I had that problem before, too. Because if you get too excited that you're there, it's like buying a house, right? Yeah. If you go to a house, this happened, this actually happened. My wife uh, did this. Don't get in trouble, bro. Don't get in trouble. I don't get in trouble. I'm just telling the truth. Can't get in trouble for the truth, can you? Uh, you probably can, actually. <laughs> right. um, but, but this happened with my wife, actually. We were, the house we, we found... She got there, and I said, I said, babe, when you get there, because I was on set, I was like, when you get there, FaceTime me, and I'll step off set so I can, like, look at it, too, right? Right. And I'm like, man, she's supposed to have been there by now. <laughs> 30 minutes passed, but I'm like, she's supposed to have been there by now. And our realtor is also my cousin, too, because we like to keep business in the family. Thanks, you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So my, my, my cousin, is I, the FaceTime call finally comes in, but it's his face. Right. Randy Williams, he's a, he's a realtor in Atlanta. So he he is his face, and I'm like, where where's where's Kayla? At? He, he turned the camera around, and it's her like laid in the flow, right? <laughs> She's like, oh my god, I love it. And he's like telling her like, don't get so excited about the house because we still got to negotiate and put an offer and all the stuff, right? Right. And his point is the same point I'm making about when you finally get to the deal table. Yeah. Don't be so excited that you're there. Yes, yeah. be grateful to God that you're there, but the people on the other side of the table should be just as glad that you're there as yeah. you are. Because yeah. they, they're they only doing a deal with you if they think they can get value out of it, right? Right. So walk into that room with confidence that, hey, we're, we're here to make a deal because everybody on all sides of this table have interest in the other party and what they can offer, right? So... When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. That also means that you got to know what is going to cause you to walk away from that deal. And so that's really important. And sometimes that's difficult. But I think yeah. it's that I, I, I use the analogy that it's like that experiment they do with kids uh, over the years where they sit a kid down at a table and put a piece of candy in front of them. And they say, hey, I'm going to walk away. Don't eat that piece of candy. And if you don't, when I get back, I'm going to bring you a cake. Yeah. Right? Some kids who have the staying power, they'll hold on. Right. For that cake. Right? But other people... Other kids might say, I'm going to eat this candy right here, right? right, right and and right. now they missed out on the cake. Don't miss out on the cake. <laughs> That's real. Don't miss out on the cake because you got infatuated with the candy because you were so grateful for the candy yeah. that you missed the whole cake that was waiting for you just, just around the corner. So you got to be okay with that when you get there. And know that if a deal falls through, there's other deals available, yeah. right? And if, if they're willing to offer you X, then they believe they're going to make 10X, Yeah. right? So yeah. also know that when you're negotiating. Yeah, that's the, that's the Master P philosophy there. Yeah, that's it. So I think one important thing that um, I know stomps people, right? Mm -hmm. I, know, I know it gets in their way, and it, it's a confidence issue in part, but it's also an access issue. So you're at the deal table or you're approaching the deal table. You, you know the deal table is coming. How do you get the information you need to sit at the deal table? How do you get what you need to feel confident and speak the lingo mm -hmm. and the language? How do you get comfortable understanding the numbers so that you don't walk away with a deal that's so mm -hmm. horrible that you didn't know it until you left? How do you, how do you get that information to secure yourself in mm -hmm. that space? Great question. I think the way you protect <clears throat> yourself when you get to the deal table is to study, 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 but also hire people smarter than you. Hey, say that again, brother. You got to study. Again. You got to study to protect yourself at the deal table. But also, you got to hire people that are smarter than you in the spaces that you are weak in, right? 
hire a lawyer that really knows what they're doing when it comes to this type of deal. Yeah. Not every lawyer knows how to do every deal. Yeah. Most don't. Most specialize. That's what makes them great. Yeah. So you want to find somebody that specializes in the type of deal that you're doing. Right. First of all, right? You want to align your align yourself if it makes sense with partners that are already giants in that space too. Don't be afraid of partnership because you want the vanity of ownership. Right. Right? So if you can find people that are giants in that space, then it's automatically going to yield a certain level of respect for the person negotiating against you, right? Because um, they know that they, that, you know, you might not know your stuff, but they know that person does, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes partnerships don't make sense, and that's fine, but just make sure you hire the right people and surround yourself with the right people. And learn when they're talking. Yeah. We got the deal. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and now it's time to go back and make the deal a reality. You got to go do the work now. Mm-hmm. What are the most important things when you go back? Is, is, it, is it the team? Is it the understanding and the ideas? Is it the credibility? Is it the experience? What are the main things that someone, once they get the deal, need to be hyper-focused on to deliver what the deal's about? I mean, well, that's actually it. Once you, once you get the deal, the most mm-hmm. important thing is that you deliver. Yeah. So whatever you need to do to deliver... At the highest level, that's what you do. So if that means, again, don't get caught up in your own vanity. If it means you need to hire someone that knows how to do a part of, a part of the execution that you don't, do that. If it means that you need to find other people to bring into that deal, and maybe, yes, you have to cut a piece of your pie off in order for that to happen, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to sure up your foundation, then do that, right? Um, Once you have the deal, you don't actually stop selling. You got to keep selling, right? So you're always in a mode of of marketing, really. I I like to say that we're not, none of us are in whatever business we think we're in. We're actually all in the marketing business. Right, very true. And my dad says, it does does him no good to preach a sermon if nobody's in the pew. Amen. Right? So like, you got to be able to, you got to be able to, to create a space where the partner that invested in you, because it's an investment, even if they're not an investor, if they're a partner and they gave you money, that's an investment. So they need to feel like there's a return on that investment, right? Now, that hasn't always, I didn't always have a a, a real sense of that per se, right? In some deals I've done in the past where I was like, okay, yeah, I got the deal, great. I'm going to do my thing now. But no, you also need to make sure that that partner really walks away from that deal at the end of it feeling like, I got what I bargained for and more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that they want to make another deal with you or they want to tell their friends to make a deal with you, et cetera. Repeat business and referral business is a thing no matter what in- industry you're in. Yeah. So, you know, I had, I had to learn that and it, it certainly changed the way that I, that I move when I get a deal now. Yeah. You know, we started this interview talking about <clears throat> the things that as a community we needed to make sure we got right or stopped doing and got in the way of our growth at the beginning, right? The dreaming phase or the initial acting phases. And now we've walked through the process all the way down till we have the deal and now we've delivered. So when you stand in that, that spot and the deal is done, the work is done, everything is delivered, what is your thought for other people, yourself included, once the deal is done and now it's time to go out and expand, right? You talked mm-hmm. about... You've got multiple verticals inside of your organizations. You've got multiple deals. What do we do when we get to that point that it's time for us to expand? Mm-hmm. How do you think about it? Mm-hmm. How, how, do you, how do you know it's okay to move away from this core into this next vertical that you're building? How do you do that? I, th- I think knowing when to expand is really a gut thing. Okay. Right? I'm sure there are plenty of what I call business theologians, right. right? Who have a have nailed down a science of when it's time to expand based on the numbers, et cetera. Right. I'm sure there's a process around that. It's just not my process. Yeah. Mine is a straight up gut thing, right? Yeah. Um, and it usually happens when I realize that if I stayed on the path that I was on, it meant that I would kind of just be working from check to check. Yeah. You know, um, of a sizable, sizable amount, but still is check to check in, in anyway, anyway, right? right? And and that there's no 
legacy from that, right? The question I ask myself is, if this faucet was shut off today, what would I do? Yeah. And if the answer is, I would just try to turn the faucet back on, okay, cool. But if the answer is, I would go build this faucet over here, then I know that I actually need to have both faucets going at the same time. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's, <clears throat> just, that's sort of my instinct around it. Right. Um, but really, you know, then it's like, okay, yeah, now I know it's time to expand, but how do I actually expand it? Right. 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 I subscribe to the idea that expanding verticals, if you're in a business where you're known for a certain thing uh, and that's doing really well for you, I subscribe to the idea that you expand into other verticals that make sense for that core spine vertical. Again, with the umbrella sort of analogy, right? right? Where the stem of the umbrella, the handle of the umbrella is your core business. What are you protecting? What else is sort of inside of that umbrella that makes sense for that that ultimate stem? Yeah. And so that's how I think about expanding, right? So you may not see me go into all of a sudden, uh, Stephen has a restaurant. Right. right Although right, I love right, food. Right. right. <laughs> My wife might have a restaurant because she's amazing at that. But like, I'm not going to do a restaurant. That doesn't really make sense for the umbrella per se. Right. right? Um, but it does make sense for me to go, okay, film and TV is a center. Commercial directors want to get into film. Film directors want to get into commercials so they can get more money. That makes, and I need the flywheel to be able to help bring more filmmakers right. in, right? And that that all, uh, advertising company, what we do in advertising heavily besides like developing campaigns from scratch on the studio side, we are traditional in the sense that we also can work with existing agencies. So that means that we do pretty much production service for commercials, right? So can I also tap that same entity to do production services for films? Yeah. If I can do that, then now we can all own a movie together. Yeah. Rather than having to go to the studio, you can own that movie, go to the studios and say, hey, I made your job easy. You can just acquire this film and distribute it and market it. And we can share in the profits and we own it as a library, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a great I, That's a great way to build both businesses at the same time, right? Yeah. And I talked about the Tabitha example already and the animation is the same thing. So yeah. it's like, that's how I look at expansion. It's like, what ways can I expand? You know, like the next space I'm going to go into is tech, right? We're working on some things right now that, that is tech-focused that probably will be the thing that actually renders the most, you know, resources, financial resources. Right. But it's, gonna, but it's tech that feeds the industry that the other spaces are in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's, that's the new frontier for sure. It's almost like you're moving into, like, vertical integration, right? You're, totally. You're constantly, yeah. your, your byproduct fuels your, your next endeavor, so to speak. That's right, that's right. right. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So if you think about the spectrum of what we talked about today, it's basically the idea of cradle to the grave, so to speak. It is, mm-hmm. it is inception and dreaming all the way to success, mm-hmm. right? This is something that I, I've struggled with, right? And I think a lot of us do, especially those who find themselves in the midst of the work. Going back to your point about how Tabitha was the, was the one who told you, no, no, that's, that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not who you are at all. There's, there's often someone who is not caught up in the fray, someone who is not stuck inside the forest and can only see the trees in front of them who can tell you there's something else here, right? Don't, don't go that route. And so I want to help those people a little bit, but I want you to answer this question for yourself so they can interpret it. Mm-hmm. What is success for you, and when are you there? Mm. Success for me is when I've gotten to the level that I'm able to open doors for people Mm. with little effort, right? Uh, Because that means that I have access. Yeah. It means that I have probably capital. Yeah. That means that I have experience. Yeah. That means that I've achieved all that I needed to achieve for me. Yeah. And that means that I've built community that is that is what willing to not only support me, but also willing to come to me and say, I have this amazing opportunity. I just need help. Yeah. And that and I can say, let me turn the machine on. That machine being whatever entity I built, right? right. Let me turn the machine on for you. And now you can just walk right in the door. So that you don't have to go knock down all the doors and cut down all the all the uh, obstacles that I had to cut down in order to get there, 
that's when I feel like I made success, when I can allow, help my community do that, right? Um, and so that's what I'm fighting for every day, right? It's not about material things or a certain amount of money or, you know, retiring my parents, even though that's part of the plan, all that, or buying a family farm. Like, it's not that stuff. It's, it's about being able to turn the machine on and it supercharges somebody else's dreams. Yeah, that's deep, brother. Second to last question. The last one would be a breeze. Mm -hmm. What is the one piece of advice from all your experience? What's the one thing that you would want to share with the community, regardless of the phase or stage they're in, that will help them to stay motivated and drive to the very next stop, to the very next phase? What can you tell them that keeps them from quitting today? best advice I can give people, no matter where they are, mm -hmm. is you have everything you need. Mm. I know we yeah. think you need capital, and, and at, certain, at some level, you will need capital. And to be really transparent, like, I'm in that stage right now where, where I'm ready to expand further and, and build more infrastructure amongst all the things we're building in our umbrella, and we need capital to do that, right? And unfortunately, our community is not as tapped in to those resources as some other communities might be. And so I'm fighting every day to, to meet the right people, et cetera, to get to that capital. But I remind myself all the time, you have exactly what you need. And, and when you're first starting out, I think that means the people to your left and your right who have either, not necessarily the same dream, but at least have a dream that supplements yours yeah. and complements yours. Because yeah. you can come together and build something really special in that way. And you look to your left and your right, and all of a sudden you realize, I just told this to a filmmaker in a, at a school uh, at Morehouse. It was like, you are so concerned with getting your first short film made, but you're, quote-unquote, just a writer, so you don't think that you have the resources to go make it. But yet, your classmate over here just wants to direct. The other classmate over here just wants to be a cinematographer. Your other classmate over here has a, a mind for business, and maybe they have never produced a short film before, but they understand people management and yeah. understand money. That sounds like a whole crew to me. Sounds like the Thundercats over here. Right? I'm with it. Right? Yeah. So just put the band together. You have everything you need. Yeah. Last question. Mm -hmm. What's the movie that you have seen and love? And regardless of its age, its genre, anything that you wish you had done, and why? Yeah. Hmm. I wish I'd done. I wish I'd made Malcolm X. Why? Because obviously, you know what Malcolm represented for the yeah. culture and all that. But but really, the reason I wish I'd made Malcolm X is because. Shout out to Spike, man. He figured out a way to make a biopic that about somebody that we kind of knew, thought we knew everything about, yeah. but turned it into an epic movie, right? Yeah. Like the everything about, you know, almost a Harlem Nights kind of feel when he yeah. was red in the streets and doing his thing. Well, yeah. you know, uh, obviously Denzel helps with that swagger, right? But yeah. like doing that and then moving him into the space where the, the sort of message at the core of it is no matter how you started or who you started as, you can become a world changer. That's the message I got from that film, right? And, you know, regardless of, uh, of who it was about, being able to transform somebody's life story like that is something that I aspire to do because I think it means you can, you can use real... I think it's powerful where you can use real people's stories yeah. to feel stranger than fiction sometimes yeah. and turn it into something that affects people in a real way and empowers people in a real way. I think it's just, it just has more, more teeth to it than something that we might just dream up. I love it, bro. Yeah. Listen, man, end of the episode, you probably know how this goes. Tell the people how they can engage with it, follow you, support you, and then tell them anything that's on your heart to share with them. Yeah. And then we're going to shut this thing down. Appreciate it, man. Well, as always, you know, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Dr. Love 12, D-O-C-T-A-L-O-V-E-1-2. 
Uh, I'm on there all the time. I love to engage with y'all, and you know, in the comments, in the DM, whatever. But uh, just keep going, man. That's that's the message I always give to people because it's no matter where you are, you got to keep going. If you stop, then you, you'll never get to where you're trying to go. So just keep fighting through whatever you're fighting through, uh, and remember, you got everything you need. All right, Wild Black, peace. We out. We love you. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.